people. And I learned really for the first time how each person is so unique and what they're motivated by. And some people need a pat on the back to be motivated. Sometimes somebody needs a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a shove to be motivated. But you have to do that. And it, and managing people takes a lot of energy. But it's great. It's the best part of any job of my career. Welcome to the Be Epic Podcast, brought to you by the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. I'm your host, Brent Williams. Together, we'll explore the dynamic landscape of business and uncover the strategies, insights, and stories that drive business today. Well, today I have with me Brett Biggs, and Brett is the former CFO of Walmart and uh, serves as a board member for Procter & Gamble, Yum Brands, and Adobe, and also a senior advisor for Blackstone. Uh, Brett, thank you for joining us Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Well, uh, super excited to get to dig in a little bit with you. Uh, But before we get to, you know, your time as CFO at Walmart and what you're doing now, I'd love for you to walk us through your history and kind of what are some of the experiences that really help, you know, shape you? Yeah, so back to being born or <laughs> a little later than that. <laughs> we can maybe. go a little later yeah. than that. I am a uh, I am a native Texan, which sometimes doesn't sit well at the University of Arkansas, but uh, we've lived here for 23 years now and my girls have grown up here. So Absolutely. I consider myself an, an Arkansan. Yeah, I went to school at Harding University. Uh, so not far from here in Arkansas mm-hmm. and um, had the chance to play golf there. I wasn't really good enough to be D1, so I got a chance to play golf at Harding. And, and also it was a it was a great accounting school. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually thought I wanted to be pre-med mm-hmm. like a lot of students do. And then I took my first organic chemistry class and that was it. And I was, <laughs> I was not intended to be... New path. <laughs> yeah, I was not intended to be a doctor. So... Uh, I don't actually remember choosing accounting, mm. um, but Harding had a great accounting school. Mm-hmm. And so um, ended up in accounting. And as soon as I took a class, it just, it fit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, things equaling on the left and the right <laughs> made mm-hmm. sense to me. And so that's that's kind of how I started in accounting. I met my wife at Harding and we've been married. I need to get this right. Almost 32 years. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I have two daughters. My younger one, Maybe ends up at the University of Arkansas okay. potentially, so right. she's at Rogers High. So, so we'll, I've got some work to do. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I started at Harding, and I and then uh, like almost everybody in accounting at Harding went public accounting, mm-hmm. and so I started at Price Waterhouse. And um, I was in I was at PW. Went in PwC. That's how old okay. I am. It was PW. <laughs> um, you know, year and a half or so, mm-hmm. and wasn't crazy about auditing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think my parents were concerned that I just didn't like to work. Uh, but I just, yeah, auditing uh-huh. wasn't my thing. So I went to work um, at Phillips Petroleum Company okay. in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and did kind of FP&A roles, um, accounting roles for about five years. But I went and got my MBA mm-hmm. while I did that. I actually looked at going back full time and just decided I like my job and, mm-hmm. and decided to go part time. So I went to Oklahoma State. Um, part-time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure U of A had a great program at yep. that time, but I just, it was in Oklahoma. So yep. I went to, uh, got it from Oklahoma State and I'm glad I did it. I wasn't sure exactly what I would do with it at some point, but mm-hmm. I, I knew it was investing in myself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it was, a, it was, a, it took four years. It was a 64 hour program, yeah. which they don't do those anymore. No, they don't. Yeah. yeah. So it was a or real program. Uh, it was, yeah. Um, but I'm glad I did it, and it, op- it really opened up some doors. I think later in my career, mm-hmm. not just the title, but but the the 
disciplines that I learned, mm-hmm. you know, during that period of time. So mm-hmm. um, went to work at Leggett and Platt, okay. which is in Carthage, Missouri. So you went from public accounting, you're to, in energy for a little well, while, and, and now and then I really just, I wanted to do something, I wasn't sure what, but outside of a, a little bit, maybe outside of accounting, but okay. in business. Okay. And I got a chance, uh, there was, this is when you found jobs in the newspaper. This is... <laughs> The old Tulsa world came to our house, huh. and they had a, it was Leggett and Platt. It happened to be where my wife was from, from Carthage, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for an M&A analyst. And I thought, mergers and acquisitions, that'll be interesting. So I convinced them somehow that I could analyze mergers and acquisitions. And um, during that four-year period of time at Leggett and Platt, we did uh, probably 100 acquisitions. I don't huh. remember. But, really? Um, I, it, was, it was an M&A boot camp. Mm-hmm. And so really learned, I did deals uh, on my own at some point, and that's where I learned to do M&A. Great company. And then I got called one day to if, to see if I would consider, by Headhunter, see if I consider going to Walmart. And um, that's one of those ones you stop and think, yeah, I love I love Leg and Platt, mm-hmm. but I've, I've got to go look at this. And it was to be basically their number two M&A person okay. uh, in international. And so... That's how I entered the company hmm. was through mergers and acquisitions and international. And I spent over my entire 23 years, I spent 10 years in international. Really? Okay. So I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of the world. Yeah. Lots of miles. Of uh, Lots of miles. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got to Walmart. Okay. And then, so you started in M&A and then, yep. you know, that career inside Walmart just started to Yeah. We blossom. had, we had just, when I came in, we had just bought Asda in okay. the UK. Mm-hmm. So We'd had an, we'd had some operations in Mexico and in Brazil, maybe Argentina, I think at that point, but we were just becoming an international company. Okay. And I think at that time maybe we had twenty billion in revenue, something mm-hmm. like that in in international. But we didn't have a pipeline of deals, and so for the first three or four years, I was on the road really trying to generate a pipeline, hmm. uh, meeting whether it's founders, bankers. Um, you know, company CEOs. And one of the great things and terrifying things about Walmart was I was, when I went there, I was 32 years old. So I'm yeah. doing this in my early 30s. And you're almost wondering, why is really this company, big deals, right? yeah, yeah, why is this yeah. company letting me do this? <laughs> and I learned that throughout my entire career at Walmart, that they'll, they'll let you go about as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, it was great. We grew in, um, we grew in Brazil, grew in Central America, grew in Japan, grew in China, Northern Ireland, um, South Africa, Chile, we, we did a number of deals Mm -hmm. that, you know, not only helped us build what became over a hundred billion dollar, um, part of the business, but places where we learned and brought things back to the U S uh, for instance, Mm -hmm. our grocery business, a lot of the early learnings from our grocery business were were from Asta in the UK and quality and private label and all those things. We Mm -hmm. really learned from Asta, learned somewhat in Japan. I probably spent the most time in Japan okay. when we bought a company called Seiyu in 2003. Mm-hmm. I, over five years, I was there at least two years okay. over that period of time. I was in Japan a lot. I was in Brazil a lot. And then at the, toward the end of my M&A time and then later on as CFO of International and then CFO of the company, I spent a lot of time in India. Okay. Yeah, well, can I, yeah, I want to ask yeah. you a question about M&A. Yeah. Just sort of looking back at what you, what you learned. Um, Either more broadly or specific to Walmart, <laughs> however you want to. What but, to do and what to not to do. Well, or like, uh, you yeah. know, the deals that you really say like, oh, that worked. You yeah. know, like any any key like factors that someone, 
you know, in that type of role or considering yeah. M&A should be thinking about? I would say, you know, candidly, a lot of your learnings come from what you wish you wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. We, when I, when I came in, we had done a couple of deals in Germany two or three years before, and we ended up getting out of Germany in 2006. That was mm-hmm. one of the things I did in M&A. But taking an American business into a foreign country, and particularly in a country that consumers shop differently than they do in the U.S., and you may think, well, it's Europe. It's very similar to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Not in a place like Germany, where they're very used to their their certain type of retailer, more discount retail Customers go to different shops to buy different things. Mm-hmm. The concept of Walmart, in theory, was great. The mm-hmm. application of doing Walmart like we would have done it in the U.S. was quite different. Okay, But there were great learnings from that that I think paid off uh, later on. And there's certain times where, you know, you look at a strategy you put together. I'll give you Japan as, as an instance. When we went into Japan... You know, there was an idea that that could be a $25, $30 billion market for us. And for Walmart, you need scale. You mm-hmm. need – you've got to do something that's big. And over time, felt like we could roll up that industry a little bit in, in Japan. All this is public. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't quite work out that way. It was mm-hmm. – we bought a tough business and made it a lot better. And by the mm-hmm. time we, we sold it, it was a much better position than when we bought it. But we just weren't able to kind of roll up that industry like we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.K. was amazing great investment for us for that long period of time and then at some point sometimes it's, it makes sense for someone else to own it yep. than you do so it's not that well I wish we wouldn't have bought Asda it's things change and you want to do things differently mm-hmm. the most successful international business we've had is Mexico okay. far and away and a lot of things that worked well there we had a great partner um, particularly early on we became a public company mm-hmm. and um, which allows you to compensate people in the country with with something that's in their country allows mm-hmm. you to i think work with the government differently because you're a mexican company mm-hmm. but uh, we had almost any kind of format you could think of mm-hmm. so multi-format where we could we could appeal to all the different income levels in mexico and it's quite wide mm-hmm. in a place like mexico put it in small you know small towns big cities and um, incredible operating model it's called walmax mm-hmm. But our success there has been, I think it's unrivaled in the world. I, I don't, I don't, I think Walmex is maybe, it might be the best retailer in the world. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it's part of Walmart who's really, really good. Yeah. But Walmex is incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I, I interrupted you, but you know, I, I had to ask that question because it's quite a unique experience to get to go yeah. work on those types of deals all, all across the world. Yeah, and, and sometimes you know you do deals that were great 15 years ago mm-hmm. that now your strategy changes and Walmart's strategy has changed a lot because of mm-hmm. what's going on with e-commerce and mm-hmm. you just have you have to prioritize different things and it doesn't mean what you did 15 years ago was was uh, a mistake and I think mm-hmm. Walmart got a lot better at that. I think early in my tenure. If we stopped something or shut something down, it felt like a mistake yeah. or a failure. I, I think the company evolved a lot um, over the last 20 years to say, hey, that's just, it's not a priority now. We're not going to do that anymore. So that we can go do, you know, work on India or the things that we want to do mm-hmm. and grocery delivery. Mm-hmm. I, I think the company matured a lot. Well, I think one thing you said that I find so interesting is 
I don't know if you said in all those experiences, but I expect that to be true, that you probably learned something that you brought back into the U.S. Oh, yeah. Always. Hmm. Always. And so, a lot of times those people. Yeah. Great people. Sense. And we would, you know, take people who have been in the U.S. their entire careers and send them to a different country. And it, it gave us those opportunities. So you're doing M&A, and then, you know, what's the next step within Walmart? Yeah, I, I got asked to be assistant treasurer, and hmm. so I'm, I'm being asked to go from this travel-the-world job to managing cash, basically, around <laughs> the world. And I, to be honest, I was not really excited about it. Um, and little did I know, six months in, we had the financial crisis in 2008. Hmm. And so the world changed. Uh, it was great to be Walmart. Mm-hmm. When you go through a financial crisis, it'd be a double-A-rated credit. But it was it was difficult. It was difficult for our suppliers. It was difficult for you know associates and um, you know similar some of the things we saw in the pandemic. It was a really tough period of time, and so I learned a lot about not just how to manage money, but banking relationships and mm-hmm. relationships matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just hey, mm-hmm. I've got a contract with you. It's what do you do when the rubber's really hitting the road and mm-hmm. you you know you you need that relationship that you developed all those years. And, and um, you know, the way we treated partners, I think, came back to our benefit during that period of time because, mm-hmm. you know, people were there to help us mm-hmm. when we, as we were going through that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went to Sam's Club. Okay. Went to be CFO, my first CFO job at Sam's. Okay. And Sam's is one of the best parts of Walmart. Yeah. Uh, I was there for two and a half years. But about a year into my CFO tenure, uh, my boss at the time was Brian Cornell, mm-hmm. uh, who's the CEO at Target now. Mm-hmm. He he said, "You seem to like enjo- you enjoy being in stores and you enjoy, you know, operations." I said, oh, "Yeah, I really do." And he said, "Would you consider ever going into operations?" And never thought about it. So I did. Um, so you go from a CFO role to surprise an some people role. that. Mm-hmm. I would go do that. Now I'm reporting to one of my former peers, the head of operations. So I moved to Dallas with my family. Okay. And I have basically the southern half of the United States um, at 240 clubs, something like that. But I'd gone from managing, I think, 55 people was my largest group, now to 42,000 people. (laughs) It's a little bit of change in scale. No training manual (laughs) on this. Um, But I had the chief operating officer was my boss, and he was great to give me enough leash to learn, but not too much leash to leash to really be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned working with people that were not finance majors really for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they'd grown up in operations and many of them, my direct reports all knew more than I did about operations and life, candidly. And so, you know, trying to bring to that job what I was good at and I couldn't become them. Right. They were great. They knew operations backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. I, I had to learn enough to be credible. Mm-hmm. But there were things that I could do and, you know, whether that's just leadership, um, communicating um, financially, obviously, how do you look at a P&L? I think mm-hmm. I was able to bring some things that maybe hadn't been thought about in that way. So it sounds like that particular role had a big impact on shaping who you became yeah, as a leader. big impact and humbled me yeah. which was probably necessary at that point in my career and prepared me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't a job. Nobody was going to let me break anything <laughs> that, that shouldn't be broken. But I got to fail a couple of times mm-hmm. in some things. And that, I learned how to be resilient, I think. And 
learn how to communicate with people when we had a bad when we had a bad month? Mm-hmm. How do you realizing that whatever you say is going to find its way down indirectly to forty two thousand people, and how you say it? Um, I learned yeah I learned a lot about me. Yeah, I think during that period of time, what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know the way the way you said that you know does at least to me shows humility. Like, you know, you knew... You were, I didn't have a choice of <laughs> being humbled. Well, you're yeah. leading a bunch of people that know a lot more about at least operations in yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think as a as a leader coming in, recognizing that, and then recognize like, all right, well, I bring something unique too. Yeah. How do I how do I kind of shape the role in that way? I, um, I'll never forget a conversation with a guy that, that worked for me. And he, he was... I was a bit of an experiment in that job, and he would have been a very logical person to, to have that job. And eventually he, he got the job after I did. Um, we were in the car one day, and I'd been in, we'd been in a club visit, and I'd said something to the effect of, hey, I'm, I'm not an expert here, but let me tell you a couple things I see. And he said, whether I think you should be the boss or whether you think you should be the boss, you're the boss. <laughs> so start acting like it. Interesting. <laughs> uh, that's operations is very direct yeah that's right very direct place in the world so that's right yeah but it was uh, helpful it's like all right it's time to go yeah did you go from that role into cfo no i went from that role into cfo of the u.s okay so it's the first time I, i've been in walmart at that time 13 years and never been in the u.s business okay other than the same i've been in the big u.s right. super center business mm-hmm. so i was cfo and i did that for two years and that's that's the first time I think where I really felt the weight of the company mm-hmm. in that if you have a bad quarter in Walmart US, the company has a bad quarter. Mm-hmm. And so as you're turning dials, you be really careful mm-hmm. of how you do that. And um, But worked with amazing people at in Walmart US and loved it. Just fantastic job. Um, so I did that for two years. And then... Um, my boss at the time, Charles Hawley, mm-hmm. said, he brought me into his office. He said, sometimes there's things you want to do in life. So sometimes there's things you don't want to do. This is one of those latter. <laughs> and we need you to go back and be CFO of International. Mm-hmm. We've, um, he goes, I know it's not what you want to do, but this is what we need you to do. So it's like, all right. And uh, it was fine. I went back and, and you know, I knew a lot of what we were doing I'd done mm-hmm. <laughs> in my earlier part of international. So um, yeah, I knew the ins and outs of international and, and mm-hmm. it would change. A lot of things had changed during that period of time that I'd been gone. And so you have to reflect and, and do some things differently. But mm-hmm. um, so I did that for a couple of years and then was asked to be CFO of the company. Well, pretty interesting, right? So operations, U.S., international. Yeah. and I mean, in hindsight, my career couldn't have been managed better mm-hmm. than it than it was, and it wasn't it wasn't always obvious. And you know, hindsight, and I tell people this sometimes, particularly a place like Walmart. You know, if you'd have said, "Give me your ten year plan," I would have missed opportunities. Hmm. So it's great to have a plan, yeah, but don't be burdened by it. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, paths aren't linear always, no. right? And so it's. And honestly, it's a lot of fun to embrace that once you embrace it. Well, in the in the uh, yeah, and you know, in the when I took the assistant treasurer role, I actually had people ask if I'd been demoted, uh, like my friends, and I wasn't sure actually. I, I, maybe I was. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. 
and then again, when I went into operations, people were like, what? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, you seem to be on this trajectory to maybe have a shot at the CFO role. This feels like a, you're moving out of Bentonville. You're going to work for one of your former peers. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Mm. And I just knew I had people that thought it was a good idea. Mm. And in hindsight, had I not had that job, I'd, I'd be a different person. Mm. You, you seemed open to saying yes. Uh, I was for that one. Okay. The, the assistant treasurer, if you ask my former boss, he would say I really did not handle that well. <laughs> and um, um, matter of fact, when I, I tell people this, when I finally decided, it was decided I was going to do this, but when I finally decided that I, had, I was going to do this, the uh, I was having this when you, back on your desk phones and the uh, CEO's name came up was Lee Scott. And Lee was funny and sarcastic, and he goes, so I hear you finally decided to pull your head out of your butt and do what we asked you to do. And he said, next time, how about not make it so difficult? Again, fairly direct, right? Fairly direct, (laughs) and it was like, yes, sir. (laughs) So when they came the second time, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever you think. (laughs) Got it. Now I see the learning process. Yes, there was a learning Uh, process in there, yeah. You know, so Brett serving as... CEO of you know largest company in the world CFO uh, of yeah the, I don't the, want I don't want Doug's job <laughs> the no. largest company in the yeah. world um, is a pretty unique experience um, just kind of interested in you know how did that evolve what all yeah. did you learn and I know there's probably a thousand things you could say just a couple of the key you know it's interesting when Doug um, Doug asked me I remember I'll never forget the day I went in his office and he said hey we'd like you to be CFO of Walmart. And um, you kind of get chills up your spine. I still do when I mm. when I think about it. And I'd never worked for Doug. Mm. We had missed each other our entire careers. And uh, I said, "How do you know I'm the guy?" And he said, "Because you know, he said, obviously I've you know been aware of your views as you come to the company because I know a lot of people who think you're the guy, and I really trust them." Mm. Which is kind of how Walmart works. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, there's a lot of group involvement decisions and you take people, you can't know everything about Walmart. Mm-hmm. So you've got to take people's advice. And, mm-hmm. and so he was, that was an interesting conversation. Um, the job, I was in it for almost seven years. The role at the end was very different than what it was at the start, primarily because the strategy was so different mm-hmm. when I left versus when I started as we, got much heavier into you know, online grocery and e-commerce. And um, and even one day, Doug, I'll never forget it, Doug said to me, I think maybe it was the first day I was on the job, he said, you're going to have to, the exact words, you're going to have to unlearn some things hmm. that you've learned coming up through the company. And you're going to have to forgive yourself for some decisions you made that you're probably going to have to undo. Hmm. I thought that was great. It was... Yeah. It was kind of liberating to, because there were things that came along where you're like, why did we do that? And uh-huh. why was I a part of that decision? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, sometimes they were bad decisions, but sometimes it was just, it was 10 years ago. What a lesson. And the world in, had changed in dramatically. And leading people to, you know, so he gave you the license, you know, to, to be able to think that way and feel that way. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, and I said, look, my background's very different than Charles and, um, and he goes, but that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what we need 
for the next five years. And the person that came in behind me, he's got a different background than I do. And that's what you need for the next five years. And you mm-hmm. learn, you know, how people are in the right place, at the right time. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, then you need a different type of person, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's okay. That's what, that's what organizations are meant to do. So the strategy shifted. Yeah, um, dramatically. And so how does that affect the CFO role? Well, when I first came in, um, I think two days after I was announced, we went um, to the street and said, we've got to take our earnings down. We've got to invest in stores. We've got to invest in e-commerce. Uh, we've been under-investing, and we've got to go do this. And you can imagine what the reaction of the stock was at that day. It went mm-hmm. down 10 15% over a few days, and now we're trading at 12 times earnings. Welcome to the role, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't you know, officially in the role, but it mm-hmm. was, you know, here you, here you go. And I always mm-hmm. appreciate, actually, my predecessor took that hit for me before, mm-hmm. I, before I came on. But, you know, I was coming in a very different situation because mm-hmm. we had been wildly successful. And, but our comps were slowing down, and there were just signs that – and Amazon was mm-hmm. becoming a juggernaut. And – you know, one of the one of the best books I ever read was pretty much spot on for Walmart, which was called Innovator's Dilemma mm-hmm. by Clay Christensen. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it because mm-hmm. it talks about companies that didn't reinvent themselves mm-hmm. uh, because they were doing so well. And Walmart would be a perfect example of that. And by not reinventing themselves, someone else helped reinvent them mm-hmm. and put them out of business, which is, you know, we had... Walmart and K- I mean Kmart and Sears had ignored us for a long time until it was too late, mm-hmm. and to some degree we had kind of we didn't ignore Amazon, but we had not fully leaned into what that business model looked like, and we were emboldened uh, that they weren't profitable. You know, well they're not profitable. This doesn't make any sense. Why would we do that? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they came up with AWS, Amazon Web Services. And within three years, they were like 30 billion in cash flow. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, mm-hmm. okay, game on. Mm-hmm. And that was most of my tenure was kind of during that period of time where Amazon and was um, you know, really growing. We slowed down our store growth, mm-hmm. which was a tough one because we had we we built stores. That's kind mm-hmm. of what we did as Walmart, and we had grown two, three, four hundred super centers sometimes in a year, which is staggering mm-hmm. that we were able to even put up that many stores. But now all of a sudden, you know, the stores aren't, you know, maybe the new ones weren't returning, you know, quite as well as you would like. And people were shifting to e-commerce and we were behind. Mm-hmm. We were, and Doug kind of said that in 2000, October, 2015, we're behind. And now we've got to catch up. And I think to his credit in particular and the board's credit and um, Walmart's in a very, very different place mm-hmm. in 2023 than it was 2015. And Doug was interesting. He's, you know, been with the company 30 plus years, grew up in the company. Mm-hmm. So the least likely person to change a company, somebody's been there their entire life. Mm-hmm. And he managed to change how we viewed ourselves and how, and how, and how the view world viewed us. I mean, we went from a 12 multiple to 26, 27 multiple, while our earnings really weren't growing all that much, mm-hmm. but did it without changing the culture. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do. 
which if you wouldn't have grown up in the company, that would have been a part that's probably hard to do, right? Is not yeah, I mean, culture. culture evolved and, yeah. you know, we're going to have a new home office and we're, you know, we have to recruit differently than we did. And there's, you know, different types of skill sets inside the company. But that gut of the culture, mm-hmm. Sam Walt would recognize it. Mm. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of the job? Oh, I mean, I people. Mm. I And it's the part. It, it's a bit of why I'm here today on campus. I miss, I miss interacting with, you know, mentoring. Um, you do it in different ways, but when you have a group that large and uh, you get to see people get promoted. I was talking to you earlier about Brandy Joplin, who's mm-hmm. a U of A grad. And Absolutely. The day I got to promote her to be head of internal audit, why she wanted that job, I don't know, but she <laughs> wanted an internal audit job. And being able to promote her was just that's hard to replicate hmm. watching someone grow and, and, you know, and other people where you feel like where people were really direct with me in my career mm-hmm. actually made me comfortable being more direct with people. When I saw something that was holding them back from being great, mm-hmm. maybe they were good, but not great. And you see that element change and they become great. And you had some small part of that. I don't think you can replicate that hmm. really hard. Yeah. Well, you know, you've you, you've retired. Um, you don't seem really retired to me. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of responsibility. So what what's yeah. today look like for you? I wanted to have a longer kind of second phase of my career. I was pretty sure I wanted to do that. And um, so I'm on, you mentioned I'm on three boards, and they're all very different, mm-hmm. which is something I wanted. I wanted something in tech to keep me connected to that world. And so Adobe... And now with what they're doing, Adobe's doing in AI is um, right at the forefront of tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, PNG is like watching Walmart from the other side. Yeah. And so it, uh, there's a lot of experience I have that can be, you know, hopefully helpful to, to a company like Parker & Gamble. Uh, great company, great reputation. And then uh, Yum Brands, which is very, very operational, very multi-unit, the 55,000 units. So that kind of felt familiar to me. So I've got two boards that feel a little familiar. I've got one that's a little over my head at times in Adobe. And then I wanted to do, um, you know, my background in M&A, I always enjoyed that. And so mm-hmm. doing some advisory work with Blackstone mm-hmm. is, um, but even within, the re- part of the reason I chose Blackstone and they were nice enough to, to let me come on board is they have that scale that Walmart has. And I like, I, you asked me things I like about Walmart. I like the scale of Walmart because mm-hmm. there's so many things you can do um, in the world. And you're, you got your hands in a little bit of everything, which I enjoyed. And Blackstone's very similar. It's mm-hmm. kind of what's going on in the world. Blackstone's involved in it. And so, you know, I can work on M&A. I can help them with existing companies. I do some CFO mentoring. So there's a lot of different things that I did inside of Walmart that I can, I think I can do at Blackstone as well. Well, so. it sounds like... A, sounds and then I get to do things like this, which yeah. I really, I mean, to be fair to everybody listening, I asked to do this. This, yeah. was, this was not you guys asking. I came and said, hey, how can I help? And um, because I, I, I really enjoy being involved on a campus and, you know, giving back in ways that people gave back to me. Mm-hmm. Well, as everyone listening could imagine, that was a pretty easy yes. Uh, <laughs> it's actually one of the things that, you know, when I kind of drill in and think about the Walton College, um, I, I, I tell people all the time that I feel like one thing that's a little unique here, you know, and in our state, in Northwest Arkansas, is 
the business community is tightly connected, you Very. know, and, and so, you know, we, we have the advantage to really get to engage companies and, and people and professionals in what we're doing in the business school, cool. you know, from from teaching to various kinds of experiences like we're doing today. Um, and so, you know, you'll be interacting with students throughout the day. Uh, but just as you think about, you know, our students, early career professionals, people building uh, their career, as you look back, and I know you've got, uh, um, you know, much of a second phase, you know, to go, but as you look back, any just key advice you would offer up? Yeah, we, we've, I recruited a lot of students from here. Yes, you did. Um, which was always good good for the company. You know, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. You you come to university to, to learn, you're worried about your GPA, and you should be. As a parent, I will say that. You should be worried about your GPA. But it's, it's the experiences that you can get in these four years, um, whether it's leading people, learning how to interact with people, learning how to interact with your professors that are you know, older than you, interacting with different types of people that, you know, if you grew up in one, you know, maybe you grew up in a small town, you come to a place like this and all of a sudden you're with people from all over the world, you're learning to interact in that environment. Because when we, when we were hiring people that, you know, speak for Walmart, but I assume other companies as well, if you're, if you're interviewing with us, we probably already know your, your, your GPA is pretty good. And, mm-hmm. um, somebody has said something good about you to get you, uh, to that interview. But, are you curious? So while you're here, you know, learning, I tell students, read the, if you're not reading the Wall Street Journal, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like you should know what's going on in the world. Be curious, ask great questions. Um, what's your energy level like? Mm-hmm. Do you look like somebody that's going to not only work hard, but just be productive? Mm-hmm. The main thing too, though, is, uh, candidly, do I, um, do I like you? Are you likable when we interview? Because I've got to assess, how are you going to relate to people mm-hmm. across the organization? Because you may be great at your job. If you can't communicate what you're doing or you can't work with the person in the cubicle or in the department next to you, it's just not going to be enough. It might be enough for three or four years of your career. Mm-hmm. But after that, and if you want to get promoted and you know go on to do what you want to do, working with people um, – being a leader, and you don't have to have a large group to be a leader, mm-hmm. leading in events and activities, that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And all right, do you know what's going on in the world? It seems simple, but mm-hmm. a lot of students I've interviewed don't, mm-hmm. and they don't actually seem that curious about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. If you come to a place like Walmart, you kind of need to know what's going on in the world. I think you said this earlier. You used a phrase something like, the soft skills are really the hard skills. Uh, yeah. Maybe the hard skills to develop. They are. Um, and and I think you I think they're teachable. I, I got mm-hmm. asked one time, do you think those are inborn? I all of us have DNA, and there is some of that. That's I mean, I I can be extrovertish, mm-hmm. um, but you can I think you I, you can teach people, and they mm-hmm. can learn to interact with people differently. And um, you know, somebody needs bright out of their shell. I think you can do that. So I, I think so too. Yep. You know, and I think it's one thing about you know a business school and a business school like ours. Um, I encourage, you know, students take advantage of everything you can, you know, classroom is critically important, but it's all the other things that, that make up the experience of whether that's internships or, or simply, you know, coming and spend a few minutes with you. 
uh, getting some coaching, some mentoring. And, and it doesn't mean being 12 clubs on campus, but find a couple and mm-hmm. get some leadership positions, mm-hmm. make a difference. Tell me what you achieved in those couple of years you were president of the you know, business club or whatever it is on campus. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you for spending time with yeah, us today. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, what a career, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future. Thanks. On behalf of the Walton College, thank you for joining us for this captivating conversation. To stay connected and never miss an episode, simply search for Be Epic on your preferred podcast service.